everybody, and welcome to The Wench Bench, where friends sit and talk about fabulous fictional females and how their stories have influenced us throughout our lives. My name is Allison. And my name is Fonda. And today, Fonda is going to be talking about Jinx from The Arcane. Yes, so gonna uh, dive in with a bit of a world overview, but start by saying that Arcane uh, came out in 2021. It's a three-part series from Riot Games that made what's called League of Legends, which is where, like, Arcane's main characters and world is based off of. Mm -hmm. It's a multiplayer online battle arena game. Okay. Yeah, basically you have, like, teams, I think it's teams of five for League, and you pick different, they call them champions, so, like, different heroes that you pick... And you go and you battle against other people that have a team of five with different heroes. Cool. You're basically trying to just, like, win the arena. Like, fuck up their their side of the map to win the game. Yeah. That's the whole shtick. Nice. Nice. So, Arcane, uh, also known as Arcane League of Legends, to be very specific, is an animated series based on the game's lore retelling the origin stories of several characters from uh, the main focus in Arcane is Piltover and Zaun. Okay. In the name of the two uh, cities, so to speak. The series was adapted for television by Christian Link and Alex Yi, uh, which are members of Riot Games' creative team. So they were able to provide a lot of information for the main source material. So Piltover is a renowned progressive city, dubbed the City of Progress, for its innovations um, and the academy that they have, where all these new innovations and stuff come that are supposed to help society. That's their whole goal. (laughs) They make things to help people. Okay. You need to know that. Because okay. it's important because they kind of fuck that up. I was just saying, by the look on your face, I feel like they don't make things to help people. Mm, <laughs> so the city became particularly famous for what's called Hexgates, something called Hextech. Basically, it was a scientific utilization um, that was dubbed Hextech by its Piltoven pioneer which revolutionized travel and trade for the rest of the world. So basically anyone could go anywhere through these hex gates and it like boosted their city greatly. They were then seen as a global shipping lane. Everyone could come there to like do things, blah, 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 blah. Piltover was apparently founded to escape the warmongering of mages after a devastating event that caused mass destruction. I don't know what that is. I just don't. I, I don't know much. It's just about a that. thing that happens. That's, a pa- that's part of their history. <laughs> uh, the city is governed by what's called the council, which is made up of members of some of the most influential houses or individuals of Piltover. Okay. Yeah. Found beneath and in the crevices around this city is the sister city called Abzan. It's a comparatively underdeveloped district, also known as the Undercity. And despite the connection and proximity, Zahn and its residents are viewed by those in Piltover with contempt and prejudice. Ah, yes. Yeah. Though technically under the governance of the council, Zahn has uh, has virtually been cast aside and left behind by the council and the people of Piltover. 
and while Piltover prospers, the city is perpetually riddled with crime and so heavily polluted its air is said to be denser than Piltover's air. Fun! And they have, like, polluted waters, like, it's very bad. Uh, Fun! That anyone not native to Zahn find the need to wear gas masks when they visit. <laughs> and Piltover residents deem the Undercity is dangerous. So this has caused rising tensions between the two. You don't say. I know. And some <laughs> figures from the underground, such as one character from the show named Silco, they yearn for independence. They don't want to be governed by Piltover because Piltover's not doing anything to help Zon. Well, clearly they don't care about them. So yeah. yeah. Like makes So sense. they wanna they wanna have their own dependence and be their own nation. Uh, though the events of the series are heavily based on the established lore of the game, some difference of differences have already been noted in the series. Um, for example, the, uh, the two creators of the show shared that the changes are not necessarily retcons, but are adjustments in order to give like us, the viewers, the best story possible. So anyone that has never played the games can just go in and, and have a really good story. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that it's pretty you don't have to have played the game to watch the show and that they actually do a pretty good job. So that's good to hear. Oh yeah. Like I've, I, I, my husband hates League of Legends. Okay. <laughs> he plays the opposite, which is Dota, which is pretty much the same thing. Yeah. In terms of like mechanics and whatever. And people that worked at Riot <laughs> used to work at the people that made Dota and this anyways, long story short, they're basically kind of the same. <laughs> Adam prefers Dota. <laughs> But was strikingly impressed at how much he really, really liked Arcane. Cool. And I really liked it too, the animation style. <laughs> Chef's kisses. Yes. Uh, some content disclaimer, because when I'm talking about Jinx, I do want to... This might not be something that a lot of people might want to listen to. Because Jinx is a complex character who in the show has gone through a lot... And to quote uh, Zhang Indigo from Screen Rant, who wrote an article on how Arcane handled Jinx's development with careful and nuanced storytelling, has stated that Arcane's portrayal of Jinx's mental illness is careful to show her turmoil as sympathetic and understandable, making it an important piece of representation for people facing their own struggles. Where too many stories depict mental illness as more than cute or edgy and quirky, Arcane avoids uh, romanticization Ooh, that's good. of Jinx's mental illness and instead showing how her inner demons negatively affect both her and the people she's closest to. So as a result, Jinx is a character who feels like a victim even as her actions take a more and more villainous turn. Okay. So going in this, this episode, I want to be clear that some discussion about Jinx's mental illness will be touched on because it's very much a part of her character. Okay. So if that makes anyone uncomfortable, please stop listening now, as certain aspects of Jinx's psychosis will be brought up, and I don't want that to upset anybody. Mm -hmm. um, before I wanted to talk about it, I actually had a few colleagues of mine um, from my school district who understand psychosis better than I, um, and so I kind of just asked them for some opinions on things before I wanted to talk about Jinx. Oh, cool. Um, so a few things I want to establish. First is uh, psychosis is not a disorder. 
Psychosis is a psychiatric symptom with its own range of symptoms. Common symptoms of psychosis include disorganized behavior and or thinking, catatonia, or changes in mood, personality, or daily activities. But the defining characteristic of psychosis is the presence of hallucinations and or delusions. Second, anyone can experience psychosis with about 3% of people having at least one psychotic episode during their lifetime, most commonly between the ages of 13 and 30. And third, it is not typically a permanent state. Finally, psychosis is also not a one-size-fits-all experience. Every person experiencing psychosis experiences it differently. So what I'm going to dive on in regards to <laughs> jinx is just the experience for jinx. Yes. And is not an example of anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As with many um, portrayals of lesser understood, actually, I'm not even going to say lesser understood because I mean, portrayals of pretty much any type of mental illness have been varied in yep. their, uh, appropriateness in yeah. all forms of media um as with all of it it's like take it with a grain of salt yeah um, and just because that is that character's story does not or possibly even like the writer's story mm -hmm. does not necessarily mean that that is every story of somebody who is struggling with that yeah um, and i think that's important to keep in mind whenever we are talking about stories regarding people with mental illness is that it's like this is not every person's experience, mm -hmm. but it may be just this person's experience. Yeah, like with anything. Mm -hmm. um, so now, uh, basic information. I, I don't want to spoil season one because I really, 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 really want people to watch it because <laughs> I think it's really, really good. Um, so I'm going to avoid talking a lot about more of the heavy story, heavy plot elements. So if this seems kind of vague or if it appears that I may be jumping from one thing to the next, it's because I, I really don't want to spoil too much of the show because I think for anyone that wants to watch it, you yes. should watch it with like fresh eyes. Okay. Yeah. Which is hard in the world of the internet because everyone can get spoiled about anything pretty easily, <laughs> but nonetheless. <laughs> okay. Boo, 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 boo. So... Mm -hmm. Going forward, uh, in regards to Jinx as a character and aspects of her development are from Act 1 to Act 3. And then after that, I want to talk about like why I like her, but I have a lot of quotes from some really good articles that do much better at diving into the show and Jinx, uh, particularly because, again, I've never played the game, so I don't know too much from people that have played the game and have in turn received more lore or yeah. information. So I tried to find some articles from people that have one played the game and also watched the show to add some uh, quotes for this episode. So I will link those articles in the episode notes. Yeah. So Arcane's story begins with Jinx as a little girl named Powder. And she shows all of uh, and shows all of the events which clearly traumatize her as a child in Act One. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so she has um, like some adoptive uh, brothers, one named Milo, who kind of taunts her and undermines her self confidence, which is combined with her need for approval in the show. She definitely has a fear of abandonment, and her guilt, and she has guilt 
after a huge event that she thought was going to lead into her helping her family resulted into a not so great situation which caused her a lot of guilt and she broke down and uh something in the show is everyone called her uh, powder but milo and a couple other people would call her jinx Mm -hmm. when she would fuck things up yeah i was gonna say because she would fuck things up yeah yeah but her sister in the show named uh violet but shortened to vi would always tell her she's like not a jinx which was good until it wasn't. Oh no. <laughs> I know. It's kind of. Uh... But uh, when we meet Powder as Jinx in Act Two, she's a teenager at that point, and it's kind of apparent that she's still haunted by the past events and things that traumatized her. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show uses different styles of animation to take full advantage of like the visual medium. Showing how her past traumas affect Jinx's actions from Act 2 to Act 3. With her inner demons shown tangibly when she's struggling the hardest. Okay. There's a lot of, like, chicken scratch writing when she's going through something that's, like, causing her to react differently. Um, You see, like, what drawing, like, childhood drawings of people she used to really like. She also talks in her head quite a bit. Okay. Um, and that's shown through different things as well, which is really cool how they represented it that way. Yeah. In like a visual medium to be like, oh, this is sort of like a visual representation of like the emotions and the thoughts that she's having mm-hmm. without her having to explain it or ju- having us just rely on her facial expressions. Yeah. Which is cool. So when we meet her as powder again she's very much like she has a a found family something i don't think that is a spoiler is vi and powder's parents have died okay before the events of the show and they have a like found family from other people in zon because that's where they live Mm -hmm. and they're wanting to work hard and sort of like show piltover that like zon's people deserve to be seen yeah. And so they're kind of trying to help as they get older. They want to be a part of, like, the resistance, so to speak. And it's really nice that Powder has her sister, Violet. But it's shown that I think she's a little bit too reliant uh, okay. on that. Mm-hmm. Because at one point they do get separated. Mm-hmm. And when Powder becomes Jinx, she doesn't take the separation well Oh, okay. So a lot of codependence there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think for the character, it is good that she got rid of the codependence because Jinx as a character does become a lot stronger. Mm-hmm. But it definitely, when she starts to show that she cares about someone and that person like backstabs or does something that she doesn't understand, she immediately lashes out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of, yeah. Especially because both sisters find themselves on vastly different paths in Act 2 and Act 3. Okay. Uh, Powder <laughs> becoming Jinx takes a very dark turn. I'm guessing so, mm-hmm. from the things that I have seen. Yes, <laughs> and uh, Violet, in turn, does a lot of things that a lot of people in Zon are questionable about because it looks like she's a part of Piltover. 
Oh. And they don't like that. Yeah. They, yeah. So that kind of causes a lot of not so fun times. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, something I do want to say, like the relationship between Jinx and Vi, in my opinion, makes up the heart of the show of Arcane. Um, providing an emotional source of like conflict that adds to the weight of the show as a whole. And in fact, like a lot of the show has relationships and pairs that show to be very important. Like the sisters. Um, Violet ends up having to get a relationship with another character from Piltover, who's like a, a daughter of like a rich house. And Jinx ends up getting the relationship with someone named Silco, who acts as like a father figure for the rest of the acts. And then some of the other main characters, again, they always have like duos. Mm -hmm. And when it gets into like a wider whole of the relationships, it shows how messy things can be. Yeah. Which is very cool. I really like that it starts off with things being like pairs. Yeah. And how, like, the further and further the pairs get, the more and more your opinions or your viewpoints can change. And how the original person you felt really, really strong to be around might not like your new self, depending on who you're yeah. reaching out to be around. Yeah, because a lot of... The people change a lot depending on their their environment and those yeah. that they spend time with, right? And mm -hmm. I, it sounds interesting that they chose, seemingly chose to explore the changes of a person through their relationships. It mm -hmm. sounds like a way that they kind of structured the story. Mm -hmm. um, and they're just like, yeah, like this is how you kind of grow as a person and your relationships change. And so does, and so do you in yeah. the same time. Yeah. Jinx in act two and act three still holds like the childish demeanor. Cause one thing that's really cool about Jinx and powder is she loves to build things. She always thought she needed to be like her sister who was physically strong punches, kicks ass. But her sister Vi always told her like, no, like the things you're making are really cool mm -hmm. and like stick to that, which I thought was so cool. And it further goes when she becomes Jinx, like she makes all of these terrifying weapons, but they're very childlike. Like there's a monkey that does the clapping thing. Yeah. And it's a bomb. Oh, and then she has grenades <laughs> that have like mouths. And when the mouths close, they go off. She has like all these different things that are still very childlike, but very terrifying. Yeah. At the same time. And I, it's really cool because it makes the fact that she's a terrorist fun Piltover even more kind of like uncomfortable because she's a teenager. Yeah. Doing these like terrifying things. Yeah. It just shows that the people she's ended up surrounding herself with are kind of like, uh, like at one point Silco who's like her father figure, seeing her become this way, he just calls her perfect and beautiful. Oh, which is like, no. Which is like something that I think she likes because everyone else has always told her she's a jinx and yeah. everything she does is wrong. So to have someone else be like, you are jinx and what you're doing is perfect, I think to her is really wonderful to have. Yeah. But it's also kind of just like, Oh, no. <laughs> That's not healthy for, like, you as a person. Yeah. And, ugh, anyways, it's it's a really good show. I really think 
people should watch it, so I don't want to, again, dive too much in each little moment. Yeah. But Jinx is so... The, the way they portrayed her visually on the show is so amazing and kind of unsettling because she looks kind of like uh, like a pirate, but also kind of like someone that would work at a circus. And she has like, uh, like she has like a, a powder blue hair mm-hmm. that's just natural. And she, again, is a, is a, a kid with like tattoos and she has laughter but she also knows how to like use the sympathy and guilt people have towards her to her advantage like she'll act mm-hmm. like she's defenseless and as soon as she sees that they're recognizing that she's defenseless she uses that against them mm-hmm. and that's like something that they do such a good job of the whole time yeah but then when she's alone you see how alone she is and it's just <laughs> I I really really like again just like how the show did such a good job of making you like care about Jinx for someone that is also doing such horrible things yeah. in the show and how that's connected to her like her past trauma and like her psychosis mm-hmm. um, as established Jinx has complicated feelings about her sister <laughs> you don't say. I don't say. Uh, so even at the height of her emotional instability, she has a gun that she n- named called Pow Pow, which just so happens to sort of be the same nickname that Violet used, her sister, when she was Powder, when they were both kids. She called oh. her Pow Pow. Which is really cute, right? Adorable. Right? But the fact that she gave a gun... Yeah. This name that she in the show fires blindly with rage. Like, she just shoots it. Is so indicative of how she perceives herself, I think. Yeah. In a weird way. Yeah. From the sound of it, there's, like, a lot of metaphors that can be drawn between her creations and herself. Mm -hmm. Like, when you were talking about the the bombs being children's toys, it's like, Yeah. yeah, like, she herself feels... Like, as you said, she's a young teenager. Like, she, she it sounds like she didn't particularly have much of a childhood either. So mm-hmm. it's like, the the bomb is representative of her and her, like, lost childhood while still also being dangerous and explosive. Yeah. As far as the pun goes. Yeah. Um, in, like, personality, right? It's like, yeah, like, this, this young, innocent-looking thing... Or, like, possibly, like, innocent existing mm-hmm. thing is also extremely dangerous, which is, like, basically a direct line to her, which is, like, a teenager who's blowing shit up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a weapons genius, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but she still names her weapons juvenile names. Mm-hmm. Which is, like, yeah. oh. Okay. Okay, so with the, in the show, Jinx has a lot of, like, delusions and hallucinations throughout it. Um, which, like, at one point in Act 2, uh, Jinx sees someone that looks like her sister. hmm And, like, things are being set ablaze. There are, like, fires happening in the midst, and the other person's, like, freaking out and trying to run away. And in turn, when she escapes, Jinx, like, immediately shoots this girl. Oh, no. But then also feels distraught and sad. Yeah. <laughs> but it's kind of like a good example of, I think, like, what she's seen is not real. 
Yeah. But she is experiencing them as real events. Yeah. And so as such, she's reacting to them with very real emotions, which the show does a really good job at doing the whole time. Mm -hmm. As like, we know that this is fake, but Jinx is reacting to it like it is real to her. Yes. Which makes it even more kind of terrifying to view Jinx as a character that like, she doesn't know they're not real. Yeah. Or even when she knows they're not real, she's still acting out as if it is, which makes her very unpredictable. Yes. Yeah. Like. <sighs> and like that, that like separation from like reality um, is always fascinating to explore in stories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, like you said, it's like, if she's she's acting on these things because she doesn't necessarily know the difference between real life yeah. and what's happening, and to be supported by a father-like figure who's saying, like, no, like, embrace this, like, you are perfect the way that you are, um, and not having anybody to check that and to be like, hey, like, you have to acknowledge that these things aren't real and you have to, like, not just act on instinct, not just do whatever it is that you want to, like, having nobody tell her that she is wrong but also that she it's not that she herself is wrong but like her actions are wrong and yeah. like, having somebody who is willing to like take the time to do that which is a lot like dealing with an extreme mental illness takes a lot of patience mm-hmm. and a lot of understanding that not a lot of people have received in the real world and so exploring it in a out of proportion, more intense way, I think is really interesting and fascinating to watch. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it, it is. At one point in the show, Violet, her sister, ends up seeing Jinx again. And so they haven't seen each other for a very long time. And at first it's like really nice and heartwarming and it's like great. But then she's like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? Like, you're against me, all these other things. And she sees Violet bring over the girl from the really rich house of Piltover. Her name is Caitlin. And she's thinking she's being replaced. Oh. And that at one point, Violet and Caitlin, they did something that... we know doesn't outright hurt Jinx or whatever, mm-hmm. but Jinx is watching this thing from afar being like, no, like my sister wouldn't, wouldn't do that. She's not going to do that again or blah, blah, blah. Right. Like three thinking things in her past and watching this like bridge scene. And when her sister does the thing that she doesn't want her to do, like we know why it's happening, but Jinx doesn't. Yeah. And so, Jinx's pained reaction to this, while greatly intensified by her, like, borderline personality disorder that she has, is understandable, Mm -hmm. considering what she had gone through. Yeah. Uh, she believes that Caitlyn tortured her through, like, some hallucinations she had. Mm -hmm. And she believes that Violet ends up betraying her yet again. Oh. And this is what, to Jinx, this is, like, the reality at one point. It really sets in that, like, these are facts. Yeah. Like, you just confirm these things for me in the middle of her, like, acute phase where she's, like, torn between being powder again 
but also she's like jinx yeah and she's like unsure and so like her actions are her reaction to this new reality that she's established for herself and it's so like it's so painful to watch yeah because we can't control the show right like we can't be like no like these are bad things your sister didn't want to leave you this is why she left and you just got taken advantage of and now like all these other things are happening and like yeah good use of irony (laughs) yes it's so she's so complex Mm -hmm. and it's so heartbreaking but Jinx's mental illness is handled very delicately in my opinion they keep her characterization very sympathetic Mm -hmm. even when her actions are very villainous yes it's just a delicate line to walk it is like at one point she has a recording she sets a fire over in Piltover and there's a recording of what sounds like a little girl being like help help right and then these people are coming and trying to save a little girl and they see like these bombs that are hanging down and there's like a little like audio box recording it's like help I set a fire and now you're trapped and then the bombs go off and she just kills like a bunch of people. Oh my god. <laughs> a bunch of people. Yeah. So it's like <laughs> I she's not a good person. Yeah. But in act 2 and act 3. But they make you they make you see that she's very much so controlled by her past trauma. Yeah. And how it skews her perception of the world. And that's such a hard line to cross, I think, to be like, we're not saying what she's doing is right. We're providing the context of how psychosis can really affect people. Yeah. Of how this person got to this point. Yeah. It's an explanation. It's Mm. not an excuse. Yes. But it makes you sympathetic because of the past, not because of the present. And they do such a good job at it. Oh, like, like it's a weird connection to make. Um, but on all of my, my true crime podcasts and stuff, they're like, yeah, like you can feel sorry for the child that a lot of times that harm was done to this child, but that is no excuse for the harm that they did when they grew up. Because like Mm -hmm. a lot of killers and stuff had like traumatic childhoods and it's just like, yes, like that happened. That is valid. And you can feel sorry for the person that the world failed but that is not an excuse and it is a fascinating story to explore and i think it it links into like a lot of like morbid fascinations and curiosities that we as people have in regards to things that we don't understand Mm -hmm. especially with things like mental illness it's like i don't I don't experience this, so I don't necessarily understand it, but the exploration of a character in a sympathetic way is vastly important to us being able to, like, understand and empathize with a character, even if we know that what they're doing is wrong. Um, We are still able to experience that story and enjoy it in a way because it is a character with depth and with understanding and meaning and... Just because it's not necessarily, like, a good person, it doesn't mean that you can't They don't connect. villainize her. Like, they don't mm-hmm. make her feel like a villain. They, she's a bad person. Yeah. But they don't make her feel like a villain. Yeah. And it's like... 
I think if anything, they show that she's a, she's shown to be a tragic figure and a victim of consequences mm-hmm. that were largely out of her control when she was younger. Yeah. And even sometimes during the process of act two and act three, some things are still out of her control and she's just reacting to them. Yeah. And I think this is highlighted by moments when her vulnerability shows through. Like, there are moments where she she chooses to be vulnerable and revealing that, like, underneath. Like, again, why the fact that Silco said, like, no, you're perfect. Like, all she wants is acceptance. Yeah. And... Like, a little bit of understanding. Yeah. A little bit of compassion, which goes a long way. It does. And it's really hard, I think, for her to get that from her sister. Mm-hmm. In the later parts of the series, because she isn't there for a lot of it. Yeah. And, well, like you said, um, if her sister is kind of becoming more sympathetic and, like, at least visually, like, outwardly seeming like she is more a part of... Um, Piltover. Piltover. Mm-hmm then having a character who is not necessarily succeeding in the same way that that other person is like, and to then see that other person becoming your enemy, essentially this person who you cared about and trusted and had spent your entire life with and had a codependency with as well. had that extremely strong connection to then see them as essentially betraying you Mm -hmm, to join mm -hmm. your enemy who you have been both like actively fighting against and then one kind of went the more political route it sounds like kind of a a weird political route we'll call it (laughs) yeah like a little bit more of the like different route and then the other one kind of more the radical yes um, yeah route to see that sort of like that they both had the same desire and then they both went different directions with how it was that they were going to reach that desire Mm -hmm. Um, and that can feel a lot like betrayal and for somebody who is then not receiving that and then receiving that in a bad way from somebody else, receiving that like camaraderie and support, it's like, oh no, yeah, <laughs> this is a equation for very bad stuff. <laughs> oh, it is. And I just, ugh, Jinx, so why I like her, Jinx is a character that while I can't relate to her on a deeper level or connect in ways that feel personal, She's a good example of how to develop, focus, and explore mental illness, I think, and how that mental illness connects to her her antagonistic journey in the show. As we've talked about earlier, she never truly feels like a villain, just a a victim Mm -hmm. of consequences in her past and throughout Act 2 and Act 3, and it's because how they explore her throughout the arcs of the show thus far like jinx made me cry like this character made me cry so much for things she was going through and dealing with and like jinx made me feel her vulnerability like Mm. witnessing it and seeing it like when she got the the shock of loneliness the sudden shock of like betrayal and her like inner conflict between like, her past self and her current self. Like, the entire time I watched the show, I never agreed with what she did, but at least, like, I had context yeah. as to why she was doing the things and to look into, like, why she was a victim. When I say victim, I don't mean, like, the whole entire time she's a victim. Yeah. 
because she does things that are very not good. Yeah. Like you said before, like, it's an, uh, it's a reason, not an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. But, like, we see her from the time she is a victim until she no longer is a victim, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Like, like yes, she once was, and talking in the past context, she still is. But, like, I don't know, it just, like, like seeing... I will never see myself in Jinx, but I saw, sort of saw myself in Powder when mm-hmm. you're a kid and you're like, all you want is acceptance and love from somebody. And yeah. sometimes someone that's your family, if they do things that really hurt you, it can really like mess up your self-esteem and your view of yourself. Yeah. So like I really saw not all of myself, but she was so creative and quirky and she was like really cute. And I was like, oh, like that's adorable. <laughs> yeah. And, like, all she wanted to do is, like, protect her family, which every, I think a lot of people want, no matter what your family is, you want to protect it. Yeah. And so, like, I really saw, I think anyone could kind of see themselves in that way with Powder, but then her journey into, like, becoming Jinx, like, broke my heart. Yeah. And that's why, I don't know, I just, like... I would love so many feelings and I would really like I I I know this whole time I've been talking in a lot of like vague events uh, (laughs) but that's just because I really don't want to spoil everything for everybody Mm -hmm. because I think the whole show itself is really well done there's multiple characters that are really intriguing in the show yeah um and like they, in Act One, they have a, a, a dad figure that just breaks my heart. He's so good. He's such a good guy. <laughs> He's such a good guy. And then, <laughs> anyways, I just like they do a really good job at uh, <laughs> exploring a lot of like uncomfortableness in the show. Not only like with Jinx. Yeah. And like tackling her psychosis, but uh, the messiness that is politics, Ooh, yes. that gets explored. Um, the messiness of like scientific endeavors, mm-hmm. like for example, when we were talking about when I said Piltover is a land of innovation and wanting <laughs> to be all these good things, they start off by making some really dope, cool things that are supposed to help people. Yeah. They end up becoming weapons. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, wow. Which is just like, oh, wow. Like, this is definitely not indicative of the world that we live in. Where it's like, oh, hey, like, for example, the internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, hey, we made this thing to, like, connect everybody across the world. Um, and we can all, like, it's like togetherness and we can communicate and it should have been this great thing. And it's like, no. <laughs> Just kidding! It's mm-hmm. fucking terrible. <laughs> yep, yep. And then there's obviously, like, Zahn's politics are different than Piltover's politics. And then, like, you have characters that are both uh, from Piltover but are now in Zahn or from Zahn that really worked their way up to get into Piltover. Mm-hmm. And it's just like... <sighs> yeah. They're coming up with another season, and I don't know who they're going to be focusing on in the next season, but they're setting up some juicy things. Like, I don't... I really don't want to spoil anything. But yeah. The, but the daddy... The daddy that I... The was, daddy? The, 
the daddy, <laughs> not Silco. He's not a good daddy. The other daddy, the one that is a daddy. Okay. So I was gonna, more I was than one daddy. Talking. I was like, are they a daddy? They're though? a daddy though. <laughs> um, I think is gonna come back in a very traumatic way. Oh, but and I'm excited to get emotionally destroyed. <laughs> Emotional damage. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, they did. They did a good. Uh, for a game I'm never gonna play. Yeah. <laughs> they did a really good job at having the story be there, at like touching a, a I think what's for some people some people are a little too nervous sometimes to want to explore certain characters in their stories mm-hmm. out of the fear of not doing it well, yeah. so to speak. And I think I don't know the full history behind how they decided to explore and show Jinx as a character. I don't know if they had a lot of, uh, like, consultants come on or if they had a lot of people talk. I'm not fully sure in that regard. I never saw anything that indicated one way or another. Mm -hmm. But I can tell that research was done in the show for multiple characters. Yeah. And I really appreciate that when a show is like, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to fucking do as good of a job as we can, Mm -hmm. which kind of reminded me of like when we were talking about the Dragon Prince series. Yeah. And I was talking about the auntie who is a deaf character and how like they went so far above and beyond to be like, we're doing this not because it's for everybody to see, but because people deserve to see this in a good way. Yeah. I think the same can be said for Jinx. Yeah. Like, people that are experiencing, whether it's, like, a personality disorder, whether you're going through, like, a a psychotic or, like, psychosis event, like, whatever you're going through that has to be mental illness, I think people appreciate seeing care taken into something where it's not romanticized or viewed as like, but you know what, you know what I mean? Like everyone's like, Oh, I have this or I have that in a show. Mm. And it's like very like romanticized. Yeah. Kind of like how people romanticize like OCD. Yeah. When really that's not. Yeah. Like when you hear someone be like, Oh, sorry, I just have OCD with this one thing. It's like, um, (laughs) like, no, you might be a little obsessive. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, but you're not being compelled by your brain. Yeah. In to a way want to do these things. Yeah. Difficult for you to fight. Like it's it's a common misunderstanding. Yeah. So I really liked how they didn't romanticize Jinx. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when when creators put care into something, you can see it. For uh, for example, I just watched a really interesting little video on um how much effort they put into the hula dancing in Lilo and Stitch. Oh. How they went and recorded like actual um hula dancers and when they were they weren't tracing over the bodies mm. after like of the recording, they were actually like watching the video and recording it. They're like every single thing, every position that they put their hand in, the angle that their wrist is at. Like, the way that they point their foot, like, every single body movement was, like, focused on. And they're, like, because we know how important this dance is to this culture. Um, And you can see in the movie the way that they, like, I've never seen hula dancing depicted in such a beautiful way. 
as in like Lilo and Stitch, which is such an adorable movie. It's so good. Um, and then when we we kind of mentioned um, in our last episode, Turning Encanto. Red, and in Canto, like in Turning Red, there's this whole scene mm-hmm. of food that's just <sighs> oh my god, like somebody very clearly knew knew like oh my god and it's this beautiful scene like it's like like high resolution like shiny like oh my god they i got make it so hungry watching and i was yeah. just like oh my god that looks delicious and just like you can see it play out on screen and mm-hmm. it makes it so much more enjoyable to watch it does like just it's just going the extra mile that's what it is mm-hmm Going the extra mile to be like, these are people we're depicting, and we need yeah. to depict them as people, yeah, not just as like a fantasy thing. And anyway, so I just really, yeah, Jinx um, is so complicated. <laughs> I want to show you um, a TikToker that I know. <sighs> so yeah, that's that's what I know of Jinx. Is this one like cosplayer on TikTok? <laughs> and um, I love her so much. Um, Chino Risu is her name, and she does like she does other arcane ones too. So she does like this chick. That's Vi. Vi. That's yes. that's her sister. Yeah. So she does Vi too. Um. All I know is that all the lesbians love Vi too. That's like everybody loves Vi. Vi can get it. Vi can get it. <laughs> so the majority of my like references for. The arcane is like TikTok thirst traps, I guess. Oh my god, you're gonna love Violet. She's I'm, amazing. I'm so excited. Like, I'm even more excited now to watch it. Like, there's one line where she's talking to like Caitlin and she's like, You're hot, cupcake. And I was like, <laughs> Okay, can you, can you, can you say that to cupcake? me? I know, and at one point the girl's like, stop calling me cupcake. She's like, why? You're sweet like a cupcake. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. wow. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah, it's really I'm very good. excited. It's really good. I, oh. I just, I'm just emotional over the show. It's really very good but also physically uncomfortable like there's some scenes that make me very uncomfortable yeah because there's a lot of like uncomfortable body things that happen mm-hmm. uh so yeah body horror i have a love-hate relationship with body i horror. have a pure hate i have a pure hate relationship <laughs> with body horror because like i love movies like the thing and oh. stuff like that where like weird shit happens um but also, <laughs> there's like that scene in District Nine, yeah, where his like fingernails are falling oh, off, and I just oh. like, and his teeth are coming oh. out. It's just like it just I couldn't, I can't, I hate that scene. It physically affects me. <laughs> so yeah, body horror is a love hate relationship for me. <laughs> <laughs> so Allison. <laughs> What are you excited for right now? Okay. Um, what am I excited for right now? What have I been doing lately? Nothing. I've been working a lot. <laughs> yeah, you've been working a lot, but also I know um, uh, you've been listening to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Anything up with your podcast world? Mm-hmm. She's 
truly listeners if i could talk for you allison has purely just been loving tiktok like <laughs> that's where her energy's been it's, it's the algorithm that's so perfect it's so fast and it's like you know what i feel like watching like D D stuff and then all i gotta do is go like a couple D D videos and all of a sudden i have a shit ton of D D stuff it's like you know what i feel like watching like body positivity stuff and then all of a sudden there's like a bunch of super hot plus size girls who are just like looking looking bomb um on my page and i'm just like yes i love this too but i'm really excited i finally started so i was working a lot as i mentioned and i'm laid off now which i'm very excited for a break and i'm finally able to start actually reading through the rules of a new ttrpg that i backed on kickstarter and um it's called thirsty sword lesbians yes yes (laughs) i may have talked about it before when i backed it but anybody who knows anything there's like a similar gaming system called monster hearts which is very similar um but basically it's like the most campy ridiculous ttrpg i have ever found um you just play like you play in like a world that's like oh like it could be a space world or whatever like there's one um little story because they give you a bunch of like not necessarily campaigns but they give you stories to play through that you can kind of edit to make it fit wherever it is you want um and it's about a prince from a planet called like heteronormativity or something (laughs) and then like they have to marry the princess from queertopia and like disaster ensues and it's basically just like super over the top patriarchy planet (laughs) versus like over the top queer planet and those two like have to kind of kind of clash their two systems so it's a fun way to um explore like liberation and lgbtq plus themes and to kind of just have a fun safe space to be ridiculous and thirsty (laughs) and however it is that you want to play um and it's a very it's a very fun cute little rpg um that i can't wait to start actually like playing more now that i have some time i might try and run a few little one shots or something um which would be very fun because yeah i got the time now and i can finally relax and (laughs) just like wring my brain out because (laughs) you know working straight for a year and a half is not like in a very physical job <laughs> with no breaks and no vacations uh, has put me on edge and then like all OT at the end so I'm just like <laughs> decompressing and I can finally watch all the shows that I want to watch which I will have more things that I'm excited about in the future because yes. I will actually be able to watch things yes. because I have time and not just <laughs> I come home I make dinner and I go to bed so <laughs> Yay! That's what I'm excited about. Uh, TikTok and RPGs. <laughs> good, good things. Especially RPGs. Yes. You can find us wherever podcasts can be found. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. You can follow us on Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at WenchBenchPod. And if you would like to listen to our podcasts on YouTube, we are there now as well. If you want to reach out, you can send us an email at WenchBenchPod at gmail.com. All the art for The Wench Bench was designed by the wonderful Tessa Joyce Regan. You can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Wherevile. Thanks for listening and talk to you soon. Goodbye! Bye! Zon and... and the...